Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome. This is our 23rd week in the Gospel of Mark, close-ups of Jesus through the lens of Mark's Gospel. The idea behind all these studies, I've repeated it a number of times, is Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he talks about beholding the glory of our Lord, how we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. So we're not just studying Mark, we're studying Jesus through the lens of Mark's gospel. Parable we're going to be studying, the parable of the vineyard owner. It's in Mark chapter 12. Get a Bible. Let's just study for a few minutes together. Mark 12, 1 to 12. And he, that's Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, and dug a pit for the wine press, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went to another country. So then the parable, Jesus is gone now. He's ascended. He's not here right now. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again, verse 4, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, him they killed. And so with many others, the emphasis on many, many others, over and over, some they beat, some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And now Jesus speaks. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? Now, this isn't parable now. This is Jesus asking them a question. Have you not read this scripture, the stone that the builders rejected, so rejection, has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him. That's the leaders. They were seeking to arrest Jesus, but feared the people. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them, against the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the guardians, allegedly of that old covenant, but rejecting Jesus. And so they... They left him, and they went away. Mark's placing of this parable is really interesting. It's, it's right on the heels of Jesus, remember, went into the temple, and he had, had thrown out the money changers and turned over the tables. And then the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come to Jesus, and they say, who gives you the right? What authority do you have to do this? And Jesus says, let me ask you a question. John the Baptist, who was one of the prophets that Jesus is going to talk about in this parable, right? One of the messengers. John the Baptist, Jesus says, was his baptism and his teaching, was it of men or of God? 
And these religious leaders get together and they calculate, look, if we say it's from God, then Jesus is going to say, well, then why didn't you listen to him? And if we say from men, well, the people are going to riot and they'll reject us because they all think John the Baptist was a prophet. So that's the background of this parable. People rejecting the messengers, the prophets, like they did with the last one of all, John the Baptist. Okay? So it's out of that confrontation that Jesus tells this parable. Parable is, it's a, an acted out story of the repeated rejection of the Messiah and the prophets of the Messiah. And the rejection comes from people who were supposed to be the uh, interpreters of the Old Covenant, which was all designed to point to the Messiah. So this, again, this isn't Jesus against organized religion. I'm so tired of hearing that very common misconception. This isn't Jesus against organized religion. There's even a book out, you know, The End of Religion. No, this is about people who were supposed to be interpreting the Old Covenant, listening to the prophets, understanding the sacrifices, seeing them all fulfilled in Christ, and they refuse to see them fulfilled in Christ. They reject Jesus. That's what all of this is about. Not Jesus against organized religion. Jesus against those who, who abuse the Old Covenant and don't see it fulfilled in him. So let's look at the things that come in this parable. He began to teach in parables, point number one. That's in that first verse. Parable is a, it's a, it's a form of truth that's designed to um, give light and give judgment at the same time. It's, it's to reveal truth to those who want to see it and to increase the guilt of those who don't want to see it, who reject it. Now, you get that, for example, even in Mark 4, 11 and 12. And he said to them, to the disciples, he says, Jesus says, to you it's been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that, and then he quotes the prophet Isaiah, they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So so the gospel is a the, the gospel about Jesus and his kingdom and his coming, it's a wonderful thing to accept. It's a terrible thing to reject. And the parables are designed to bring out both sides, the grace and the judgment. Point two, look at the players in Jesus' story, this parable. There are these servants. They, they represent the succession of prophets, messengers that were sent to draw the people to to God. And then, in distinction to all the messengers, there's clearly this son. The owner sends his son. That's Jesus Christ. There's another of the players. Third, there's the owner of the vineyard. That's Father God, Father God himself. And fourth, there are the tenants, the farmers who worked uh, the vineyard. Those are the religious leaders of the Jewish people. And that's why it follows on the heels of, of uh, John the Baptist and that account where Jesus clears the temple. Three, the parable shows the incredible grace of God. You, you might not know it, but this whole parable is kind of taken 
indirectly from Isaiah 5, 1 to 7. And it's, it's a song that was actually sung by the people of Israel during their own times of repentance, just lamenting their ungratefulness for all of God's mercy and kindness. Four. The parable points out how, how perverted the institute of Israel's old covenant religion had become distorted. The very people who should have cared the most about the vineyard, the very people who should have listened to the messengers and then been alert to the coming of the son, those very people are the ones who killed the son, who killed some of the messengers, rejected the, the, the prophecy about Christ, and then killed Christ. They had been given a place to work, to earn a living. The vineyard was all of grace. Jesus exposes the twisted nature of these religious leaders who were planning to put the son of the very one they were to serve, put him to, to death. Five. This is important. In the parable, Jesus tells the story. Notice, notice, it's easy to miss this, how Jesus once again predicts his own death. Jesus is telling the story. Jesus is talking about the son, the father sending the son, and the son being killed. So, so Jesus is talking about himself. It was, it was not an accident. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. He didn't die as a moral teacher and people couldn't accept his teaching. There was all planned, all predicted. God's plan was still unfolding. Six, notice how the parable shows the beautiful patience of God. How many messengers, how many messengers would he send? And, and in Jesus' story, there's messenger after messenger. Many of them, he says. Many of them, over and over sent. One rejected, two rejected, three rejected, four. What a sequence, this large number. And then unbelievably, this owner sends his own son into the same wretched situation where all these abuses and rejections had already taken place. It's into that mess that the son is sent. So there is judgment in this parable. It ends with judgment, but it's not quick. It's not impatient. There's, there's an unbelievable um, mercy at work in the heart of God. It's, it's what Peter was talking about, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There's also far less well-known, but there's a passage illustrating the same heart of God and the same situation in the Old Testament. If you look this one up, it's 2 Chronicles 36, 15 and 16. Listen to these beautiful words. The Lord, the God of their fathers, so persistently, sent persistently to them by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words, scoffing at his prophets, until 
the wrath of the Lord rose up against his people until there was no remedy. I mean, that's just, that's just like a carbon copy of Jesus' parable lifted right out of 2 Chronicles 36, 15, and 16. Seven. Another thing that's important, the parable shows that Jesus, Jesus is God's final offering to mankind. Notice in the parable, it's in verse 6, and it says, and he sent him, that's his son, last of all. That's how Jesus tells the parable. All these messengers, one after another, after another, and he sent his son last of all. So there would be no others sent. It's the same idea that the writer of Hebrews talks about, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgressor or disobedience received a just retribution, then he's going to go on. I won't read the whole thing. How much more? With this final offering of Christ, don't reject that, because there's no other offerings. Point number eight. The parable, while there's compassion and patience and mercy, the parable teaches that firm judgment awaited those who continued to hard-heartedly refuse and abuse God's final offer of grace. Man's rejection of Jesus doesn't mean the end of Jesus. I mean, the, the son is killed in the parable. But then the parable closes with Jesus quoting these words, and they're repeated. They're repeated in Acts 4.11. This Jesus, the one rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. Rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. So, um, in their blindness and their hard-heartedness, the son is killed, but that doesn't end God's plan. The son is raised in actuality, not in the parable. In actuality, the son is raised. Peter repeats the same thing. This gets repeated in the New Testament quite a bit. 1 Peter 2, 7. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So there's still no change as to the centerpiece of God's redemptive plan. It's that last son. It's the son that's sent at the end. It's still accepting the son. He's, he, through his resurrection, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, he is the cornerstone, the centerpiece of God's plan. He will come again. Nine. The parable teaches that this final rejection of Jesus by the Jews would bring God's offer of grace to the nations of the world. It's a repetition of this idea in Matthew 21, 43. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And so the leaders, when Jesus finishes this parable, Mark 12, Mark says uh, the leaders were furious with Jesus because they sensed that this parable was against them. And, 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 it, and it was. These leaders are furious because uh, they know 
that Jesus has spoken the truth. They know that their rejection of Jesus has been exposed for what it is. They know that God's true plan to reach the nations through Jesus Christ, it doesn't fit with their distorted application of the old covenant. And we'll see as we continue now, wrapping up, we're getting close to the end here where Jesus is crucified. They plan to get rid of Jesus once for all. It's, it's, it's precious beyond telling that we, with all these years gone, we get to open our New Testaments and we get to see the truth about Jesus. We get to see people's response to Jesus. We get to see the grace of God to those who will receive. We're cautioned. You don't hear about it as much anymore, but we're cautioned about God's judgment on those who reject. Behold the glory of our Lord. Just keep beholding the glory of our Lord. 23 weeks, and we'll stick with Mark. Let's pray. We're so grateful for the history, prophet after prophet after prophet, though though those keepers of the old covenant rejected Jesus. We have the, the fulfillment, seeing everything pointing to Christ. We, we see the, the proof of God's complete plan unfolding in Revelation, Old Testament to New. We get to see the glory of Jesus as God's final revelation. We get to see that he's still the cornerstone. And so in all of these shaky times, we look to Jesus over and over again. Draw our hearts close to you, Lord. Ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Join us Sunday, 10 o'clock. We're going to be finishing the, the study we've been doing in Philippians. That'll be Sunday morning, 10 o'clock live stream here. And then Sunday night, we're going to be back in Romans again. Two more in Romans. God bless you, church. Love one another.